As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic's Football GM Podcast. And now, The Athletic's Mike Sando and former NFL Executive of the Year, Randy Muir. Welcome to this edition of the Football GM Podcast with me, Mike Sando of The Athletic, and Randy Mueller, the GM, the former Exec of the Year in the NFL, two-time GM. Randy, how are you doing this morning? Doing great, Mike. Yourself? I'm doing better than the the Bears offense last night. Boy, that was uh, that was a tough one. Um, we get some great topics this week. We are sufficiently outraged about the Cowboys, and I think we have some good insights there. We have two at time in Miami. I think that's a great one to discuss as he begins his career against the Rams, who we saw uh, this week on Monday night. Bills and Patriots are playing. Let's talk about those offenses. There's a lot to unpack there. Antonio Brown heads to Tampa Bay. We're interested in that. Got a couple picks, Steelers-Ravens, Raiders-Browns. I don't know if we're going to pick Jets-Chiefs-Randys, but 21.5-point spread, we got to talk about it. We'll have our Ask the GM segment, as usual, a good one there. Actually, about a GM job. Stay tuned for that one. Randy, let's get going on the Cowboys first. And we don't have to say on every podcast that we told you so before the season. I mean, I wouldn't think that would be good form if we just kept only pointing out the times when we were right, but I think one of our first podcasts was talking about how overrated this team was. They're the only team in the league that is winless against the spread this year, 0-7, which shows you there's still a gap between right. what people expect this team to do and what they actually are. This was different against the Washington football team in Week 7. This was humiliating. <laughs> Yeah, this was a tough one. It seems like we always have the Cowboys on our radar, and it's not by choice, I don't think. It just seems like they've presented something for us to chat about every week. I think, I mean, it's obvious there's a lot of blame to go around with uh, America's team, right? I mean, we talked about the roster. Maybe he's a little bit overrated. You know, they lose their best player and their team leader. You know, they hire a Super Bowl coach, but really don't empower him like a Super Bowl coach. So there's plenty. But I found myself after seeing this on Sunday and, and their game with Washington and, and the incident we're talking about really is the incident with Andy Dalton, who was uh, 
cheap-shotted, uh, I guess, is, is for lack of a better word. Uh, definitely an illegal hit put on him by John Bostic and the lack of response that it generated uh, from them. I felt like, uh, I felt really sad, uh, not to turn this into a Dr. <laughs> Phil show, but it was kind of sad, you know? I mean, there, there was no response. There was no heart. There was nothing that came of this. And I grew up a Cowboy fan, right? I've always loved the That's Cowboys. That's what I was going to ask you about. I mean, yeah. this is, you know, you're still I mean, a human watching this stuff, I right? Am, I am, mean, you know, yeah. yeah. Whether I've been a GM or not, or a fan or not, I've, I was a Cowboy fan growing up. And I remember the the rivalry between the Washington and Dallas uh, football teams. And gosh, this would have never happened back in the day. And maybe I'm old school, but this just didn't get a response that I was curious about. But when you take a step back and make you think about why, I think there's a couple things. One, I mean, I saw a group of independent contractors operating here. This is not a team. They have not come together as a team. And that shouldn't shock anybody. I mean, their record shows that, like you said, 0-7 against the spread. They have issues. But the fact that they haven't bought into to any team concepts at all, I think it was evident by the lack of backing of, of Andy Dalton. You know, it's a it's a struggle to get guys to come together when you don't have off seasons, and they didn't have one. So I think that's part of the reason. But this is a group that is is up front on offense in particular really struggling and 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 they didn't jump on anybody that hit their quarterback and knocked him out I think because they're all trying to do their own jobs I mean the offensive line is a mess right they've got guards playing center center playing guards tackles that shouldn't be playing and so they're all in their own world they're trying to go play to play on Sundays uh, like uh, it's paint by numbers right they're they're not there's no artistic Absol- value yeah. here absolutely so that, yeah, yeah. They don't. They don't. They didn't even think about protecting their quarterback because they're on level one. They're in first grade, trying to to learn. You know, uh, hooked on phonics. And, so they're just not there yet. And think about this: in this pandemic, these guys have never gone for a beer with Andy Dalton. They don't even know him. These guys haven't been over to Andy's house for film night. These right. guys don't know Andy's kids. Right. There's nothing there. Now, if that had happened to Dak, I think we would have had people yeah. running out there because oh, no. this is their brother. But when you look at, you know, really who are the leaders on a team, who's respected on a team, it's always the guys who earn the most money and play the best ball. And when you look at Andy Dalton getting taken out, you would expect Tyron Smith and Zach Martin and used to be Travis Frederick and yeah. Lel Collins. Those guys should be right there. They're not in the game. Right. So you look at the highest paid guys on the on the Cowboys offense, it's Dak Prescott, he's out. It's Amari Cooper, he's a wide receiver. I mean, he's yeah. not some sort of, you know, gritty leader. Um, it's Zeke Elliott, okay. I mean, it's Zach Martin, he was out of the game with a concussion. Right. Tyron Smith, he's out for the year. Lil Collins, he's out for the season. So there's not this group to come um, rallying to your defense. And it really did drive home sort of the sadness of where yeah. <laughs> Dallas is at, that through a combination of mismanagement of the team, through a combination of maybe not always having the right guys on the roster, through a combination of injuries, through a combination of the pandemic of just what it means to be a team. You're not right. together. You're on Zoom. No, you know right. what I mean? If your best friend was only on Zoom... Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be the same as sitting in the fishing boat or whatever you do with your best friends. Right. You wouldn't have those shared experiences. And so um, I also thought just from a football standpoint that Andy Dalton slid late. I mean, it was uh, this wasn't him being three yards out of bounds and the guy um, taking him over. I think there's some nuance in how the quarterbacks play now. I think they all expect to be protected. 
right. and they go running up the middle of the field, and it's everyone else has to stop and get out of their way. And he slides at the very last minute. I actually, you know, Moose Johnson on the broadcast called this total disrespect for your opponent. Um, one of the first ones in a long time I've seen that's inexcusable. And I suppose you can make that case. I just feel like I didn't feel like the guy was just savagely trying to kill the quarterback. I think Andy Dalton barely slid at the last minute, and he got he he paid the price. So there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot to me. There's a lot of stuff going on around this. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack. There's no doubt about it. And and I'm probably in the middle somewhere. I I, I yeah. do think it was an illegal hit, but I do think it was the victim of timing uh, that came into play. It was just kind of the perfect storm when it happened. But here's the next question: In order to change what's happening there, what do they do? I mean, let's just, yeah. we talked about yeah. every week something that needs to be changed with the Cowboys, but how do you fix this? That's the big yeah. problem and dilemma I have going forward is how do they fix it? And can it, I don't know that it can be fixed this year, but even in the offseason, how do you fix this thing? It's crazy. Well, look at, uh, I talked about the highest paid guys on offense. You know, who are you building your team around? Here's the highest paid guys on defense. Demarcus Lawrence, 21 million. Is that, I don't know, is he a great leader? Uh, no Jalen yeah. Smith, 11. Tyron Crawford, Nine, Everson Griffin is a rental six. That's your, you know, highest paid guys that you'd normally be looking to on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, Sean Lee's out. You know, they they don't really have an identity or maybe a strong leadership on that side of the ball. And I think, you know, this has been a team where Jerry Jones has been the leader, right? Right. And Jerry Jones has been the all-powerful guy. Well, guess what? The players told Jerry Jones this offseason, yeah, they'll kneel if they want to. What's Jerry going to do about it? (laughs) Jerry's not doing nothing. No, Jerry, you're right. What, how, how much power does Jerry have? What yeah, can he do? Exactly right. I think you're talking about, like we just said, an independent group of contractors, and and I don't think they have a lot of faith in in really what Jerry's saying at this point. For one thing, I think talk is cheap. I think we're going to talk about another team soon in the podcast here in in Miami, where there's a lot of faith in the front office. I just don't see any faith in this front office at all. There's there's definitely a disconnect. I do think you brought up a couple good names there that we should discuss. One is Sean Lee, and I think for one for one player, Sean Lee is as big of a missing uh, object on defense as they've had, and it seems like that's gone the last three or four years. Uh, with his absence, uh, they struggled to communicate. They struggled to lead, to get through hard times. Sean Lee is definitely a big uh, a big leader. You mentioned uh, uh, Smith, the linebacker, 54. He's the guy they've ever, we've all seen on film not chasing the ball, not not pursuing at 100%. So he can't lead anymore because that, that's a fraud, right? Everybody sees that on tape. So yep. I do agree there's some leadership issues. They lost a corner this year to Miami, a really young, good player. Miami identified him as an ascending player and signed him in the offseason. So they've taken some hits on defense, but they're going to have to fix this at some point somehow. And I'm not sure the answers are in-house. I yep. mean, Mike Nolan is is an experienced veteran, longtime defensive coordinator, but he's taken a beating over this first six or eight hey, weeks. Hey, did you see he got Tabasco sauce <laughs> yeah, in the I mean, press conference? Come on, talk about bad timing. I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that was crazy, yeah. I that, if he was that took like on a... the, the, the fly in the hair of uh, Mike Pence-type uh, uh, social media presence, you know? <laughs> Kind of one made me want to have a catfish sandwich and put a little tabasco on it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, but that's how things are going, right? <laughs> that's yeah. how things are going. I want the video of that. Let's move on to more pleasant uh, conversation here. You know, with the Dolphins going with two at quarterback. Um, I think initially, I was, it was a little bit of a jolt initially. It certainly was for Ryan Fitzpatrick because he sort of 
right. you know, even though you know what the long-term plan is, you know, you're you're rolling with Fitz Magic, right? I mean, he's diving for first downs. He's a great inspirational leader. We got the beard on the screen. I think the team kind of bought into him for whatever extent you can buy into a guy who's not going to be the guy long-term. So they decide sort of organizationally to make this switch. I guess it is timed up with the bye. Um, while they're 3-3 three and three and they're a game, you know, whatever a game, you know, they're right there in the, in the in this AFC East that's pretty jumbled. Um, I probably would have done it later. I'm, I'm not, you know, outraged by it. Uh, are you excited? You know, initially I'm with you. I was taken back a little bit by the timing of it. But when you sit back and realize what they're doing, the message it sends, and how everybody else feels within that building, I think you do tend to get a little excited. I think all the analysis put aside, one statement for me, I think uh, that I've read or heard kind of sets it the tone for it. I think they think, and when I say they, Brian Flores, um, Chris Greer, um, Ross, the owner, I think they think that Tua is better than Fitz for them right now. I don't think anybody would argue that the future is bright with Tua and that's where they need to go. But they made the decision right now he's better for him. And you say, whoa, wait a second, he's never played down. He threw two passes last week. Well, I think the players are genuinely excited about it. The more you read, the more you hear about him. This kid has earned everybody's respect. The decision makers have seen him day after day after day, what he does, the way he gets the ball out, the precision pinpoint accuracy he has, his legs in the pocket to get away from pressure. I do think he brings a lot to the table that that maybe you take for granted uh, in a 37-year-old Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know what you're going to get there, but you don't get the upside that Tua brings you. And I don't think it'll take long for people to see that either. I think you'll see that right away. It wasn't an easy decision. These, these decision makers made this... Um, you know, they, you got to have some big kahunas to make a change like this at three and three. Because, like I said, your locker room is always your biggest critic. But I think they've come out of this with a lot of support in the locker room. Um, they've they they trust that the decision makers in Miami are doing the right thing. And when I say they, it's the players. So that's a big thing. And I, I, if I'm a Miami guy or a Miami fan, I'm excited about the future and the fact that they've done this now because I think it, it definitely does give them a chance for bigger aspirations than, say, a 7-9 or 8-8 eight eight record. Absolutely. In three years, no one's going to be like, God, I wonder what could have been with Fitzmagic. You know, we, we really yeah. blew that opportunity. We were going to go all the way. At the same time, you know, it, it, had they left him in, they still could have gone from three and three to three and six. Right. That could have happened. And that may happen now. I mean, you know, Tua could come in, have some growing pains. I mean, he certainly uh, should be rusty. I mean, I think people like to talk about, uh, you know, oh, you got the bye week to get ready. Well, they're an injured team that you come out of your bye. You don't practice on Monday. You, you have Tuesday off for the players' day off. You have a walkthrough on Wednesday. You're off Thursday through Sunday, just the players are during the bye. You right. come back Monday. I mean, the guy was sick three weeks ago and, and missed practice, so I don't really buy that, uh, wow, this guy's just been lighting it up in practice, and we can all see it. I, I think those reps are precious. I think they've been going to Fitzpatrick. I think they didn't play too uh, late in games when they were up by 20 points or more against San Francisco. Um, and even in this last game, this last week. So I think there could be some bumps early on. I, I think it's a move that's almost like was preordained, like they had thought about it before the season that will make the switch at the bye. It wasn't entirely a, a comfortable move to make because Fitz has been playing probably better than expected. I agree. Right. They probably think that Tua can play um, at least that well soon. So that's a, that's a risk they're taking and probably 
probably fine. They're going to play the Rams right out of the gates, one of the top five defenses in the league that hits the quarterback a lot. So that's interesting to me. I mean, it right. could have it could look ugly. Well, I think there'll definitely be a learning curve. I've never seen one of these guys come in that hasn't had a learning curve of, uh, and at least a step back at some point during the process. I think the best thing Tua has going for him is I really think this is a decent team. I've said it from the outset. Miami yeah. has has really gotten better the last six or eight months with the acquisition of talent, and now it's coming together. Brian Flores has proved he is a coach. Uh, to be reckoned with. And he can bring guys together. And these guys believe in him. You can see that. You look at their defense. They're one of the best third down defenses in the league. They have a great blitz package and pressure you know, package. And it doesn't always show up in numbers after a game. But this is a good defense. And, and I think it's a group that uh, is only going to come together through moves like this because they are, you can tell, a tight-knit group. And I think that's a positive, uh, another positive for the Dolphins. Yeah, you know, we've talked about, though, the, w- I got two things for you on this that I think are, re- are really interesting on Miami. Um, one, I want to talk just a little bit more about Tua, so we'll get to that. But but I want to set the table on how you build a team, because we've been critical of teams when they get rid of good players, right? I mean, that's yeah. been a theme that we've talked about. They're hard to replace. This team got rid of good players initially. I mean, not that Laramie Tunsil's unbelievable, but Minka Fitzpatrick is a you know defensive player of the year candidate. They really did the sort of tanking thing almost. I mean, they, they ended up being better than we expected. But now we're saying a year later, um, well, we like what they're doing. So did they, did they do it the right way early? I mean, is this a well-thought-out process? I think it's definitely a thought-out process. But here's the other thing you got to remember. Houston gave them two first-round picks for Jeremy Tunsil. I don't even yeah, think Jeremy Laramie, Tunzel yeah. would fight that trade. He, yeah. I think I read where he, he knew he had to be traded for that amount. And the other thing was the Meekum Fitzpatrick one does, you know, th- that was a little concerning for me because he's a heart and soul guy. As you're seeing in, in Pittsburgh, this guy is, is already become a leader there on a defense that may be the best defense in football. So that was a hard one. I think that was a personal issue that Mika had with the way they were using him. They just couldn't settle on where to line this guy up. And he had just gone through four years of this at Alabama, too. Where is he a corner? Is he a safety? What is he? Is he a nickel guy? And he could never get really good at any one thing because of the kept moving him around factor. So I think that was a little personal issue there. I don't think that was necessarily part of the plan. Pittsburgh came along, offered him a first round pick for him. It worked out for them as well. So sometimes you do make some of these moves. I do think they knew they had replacement players in place uh, when they made these moves. So that's a big issue as well, is, is they had a plan. Uh, sometimes you just have to go with the flow when, it's, when the supply and demand uh when it comes out where you can get three first round picks for those two players, that's hard to turn down. Yeah, I get that. I, I, I guess it's good for me, you know, that my, Miami has a plan. So that's yeah. better than what they've had in recent years. They have a plan. I don't always like all aspects of it. And some of that New Englandy get rid of guys if they don't want to be there right away. Hey, it's your right. job. When when Kiko Alonso or Mika Fitzpatrick are your two best players on defense, hey, it's your job to, to get the most out of him, not say, oh, you don't want to be part of the program? Fine, you're out of here. I, right. I don't know about that. So there's a to me, there's a balance. Back on two, I'm going to give you – I talked to a lot of people in the league, and so I've kind of got these notes, and I want to bounce a couple of these observations on him off of you and, and then get your thoughts. So one of the top coaches I know who has really studied him, this is what he said about Tua. He can move enough, really good arm, super accurate, smart, can move enough in the pocket side to side, see things, make accurate throws. He's one of the most accurate passers I've seen with making an adjusted throw. 
Not necessarily just throwing it out or throwing the guy running across the field, moving in the pocket and then being able to make the throw over a defender in a small window. He really excels at that, has a gift for that. And that, to me, is what playing quarterback is all about in this league. On the downside, different people I spoke with. He gets real shy when it gets noisy. Five big games last two years in college, went three and two, played well in one of them. There was chatter that he had maybe even taken himself out of the Mississippi State game. We overanalyze these guys, Randy, because we don't have enough information always to project. What do you think of those observations, and where are you at on Tua? I think there's probably truth in all those observations, to be honest with you. I see the upside. I see the question marks as well. I'm good with Tua. Um, I think I wish he were bigger. I think his 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 physical stature is the one thing that bothers me a little bit. I just don't think he's a big guy, and therefore I do think he's uh, susceptible to some injuries. Uh, the 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 noise factor. Uh, I guess we'll find out. I mean, it's going to get noisy. I, I think uh, the difference probably in in some of those games that those coaches mentioned when he struggled were was the pocket clean I think he does need to operate again mainly because of lack of ideal physical stature he needs to operate from a clean pocket there's some others in this NFL that are playing well though that that are getting through that but they're going to have to do a good job up front of keeping him clean having said that I think they've given up 10 sacks in six games but they're playing some young uh, inexperienced offensive lineman in Miami. So I think the future bodes well for him. But I think the key was he can get away from pressure just enough. I don't think this guy's going to run loose and uh, be Josh yep. Allen out, outside the pocket. But he can alter his feet. He can throw from different planes in the pocket, and the ball comes out really quick regardless. So a lot yep. of pluses. I mean, time will tell. I, I'm good with Tua. I think he's a good player. Um, and I think this group will give him – the things that he does well in order to succeed early. Yep. You mentioned Josh Allen there. Good segue into our next segment, which we have the Bills and Patriots playing this week. In my pick six column this week, I wrote about the Patriots on offense. And uh, let's start with the Bills, though. I mean, I think the first three, four games of the season, the first three games this year, they were averaging 31 points a game on offense, third in the league. Uh, people, not me, not you, talking about Josh Allen as an MVP candidate. I mean, uh, now they've come back to earth, um, which to me isn't shocking. But what do you see with Buffalo um, sort of leveling off here offensively, and it's not so easy? Yeah, I'll say a couple things. One, I'm all in on Josh Allen. I've, I've loved him since being at Wyoming. We've told some of the stories about him coming out yep. and our evaluations when that happened. I haven't faltered from that. I still think he's the guy to take them to the promised land. I think he's a great fit for Buffalo. But we also have talked about this is a league of adjustments. It's a league of defensive coaches, especially figuring things out. And teams have done that now a little bit with Buffalo. They have figured them out. Now it's going to be up to Buffalo. It's their move on the chessboard. I think that the key thing for me on, on when talking about Josh Allen, really that means the Buffalo offense because it all runs through him, is the red zone. And, and they obviously the red zone, they struggled last week, but they had 10 possessions versus the Jets. Um, they never punted the ball. So it's not like anybody kept them from uh, moving the ball. There were no three and outs. There was nothing like that. But they've got to be more efficient in the red zone. And I think that's a, a, 
a spot where young quarterbacks, the learning curve might be the longest because teams do change things up in the red zone. Things get confined. They sit on deep routes in defensive backs do. So so that's a little bit of a different approach that I think he's going to take some time to, to master. And, and do I think he will? Yeah, I think he will. Um, but those 10 possessions they had against the Jets, and, and we know the Jets aren't the monsters of the midway on defense either. But they did score. I mean, they, they, what, they kicked six field goals, I guess, and missed two others. But I think it's coming. Um, I think there's still some, some uh, wild carny ride uh, <laughs> fallout yeah. when you watch Josh Allen. And that's going to be Josh Allen. He's going to make you pull your hair out at times. But he's still not turning the ball over, per se. He's not making the crucial errors, maybe like he did a year ago. But uh, I, I like him. I'm good with them. I think they have to make some adjustments now offensively, especially in the red zone, to get him to the next level. And when I say they, yep. that's them as a team. Yeah, my concern for Buffalo is is really their defense isn't great anymore. Maybe it will be, but that is an issue. Yeah. That, that's such a nice calming effect for a quarterback. You can have ups and downs, and you can yep. live with them because your defense is going to make the stop. But when you play the Jets, it doesn't really matter because they can't score. But <laughs> I have felt like for them, ultimately – I believe that Josh Allen has too much of those variations that it's going to cost you when you play the good teams in the playoffs, that when he gets cornered in an alley, um, things go haywire. And that's fun in week four against the Rams when you blow a 28-3 lead and win the game anyway. It's fun. It's not fun when you're playing Houston in a loud stadium in the playoffs and you blow a 16 to nothing lead and completely melt down. So I want to see that type of consistency. And if you don't have the defensive side uh, just automatically holding that opponent to 20 points, then to me those ups and downs on offense are going to be exaggerated. And I don't think people are talking about it with Buffalo's defense because it's sort of a weird defensive year. Maybe they're going to be fine long term. Uh, But that's what I would get there. Now that segues, I think, into the Patriots as well because – Last year, they were amazing on defense and special teams, especially early in the year, and it helped buoy them up a little bit. They're not horrific there, but it's not quite as great. And now offensively, they don't have answers. Do you think that we have seen the best of Cam Newton in New England, or do you think they're going to ride this out and be okay? Well, I think think it's going to be a struggle for New England, I'll be honest with you. And I I don't think um, that comes as a giant surprise. We talked about it here. Their run game, their quarterback-based run game, can only do so much, um, especially when you combine that with an offensive line that's really the shambles right now. So I think it does start up front their problems. They struggled last week on tape, Mike. I, I could they they were struggling to pick up basic defensive not blitzes, basic defensive uh, formations, and, and their protection scheme was crazy. I mean, I'd never seen them with that level of lacking communication up front. It was just a struggle for me, and I even saw it on their defense as well. I really think this is a complicated setup uh, scheme-wise on both sides of the ball, and it was proven that they need to practice. They really need to practice to get down what Belichick's trying to do on defense and what Josh McDaniels is trying to do on offense. They need reps, and I don't think they're getting the ample amount of reps, and that goes with Cam as well. I mean, obviously, Cam hasn't been the same since he came back from the COVID absence. Um, he, to me, has looked old and rusty and kind of not 
uh, he, he always brought a little juice to the game when he was right, when he was healthy. There was just no juice. In, in, and then when I watch him on tape, his legs, uh, to me, are, are failing him in his fundamentals of passing the football. They struggled, again, with elementary passes that NFL quarterbacks make in their sleep last week. He just couldn't get it from, from point A to point B. So that's a struggle. I just don't know the upside or where the upside is in this offense to get it fixed. They haven't even uh, been able to regenerate what they started the season with in week one and two since uh, Cam came back from the COVID. So they'd be happy with that. And, and again, we thought that would have to evolve, that offense we saw early in the season. So still some issues there. I don't know if it's going to get fixed. Uh, I, I, I think this is one of those things where let's just start with the premise of didn't they lead the league in opt-outs before the season started for COVID? No doubt. The Patriots, yeah. Patriots roster was really in flux before they even snapped the ball. So I'm not making excuses for them, but start with that premise. I think they had nine or ten guys opt out, and some of these guys were good players. They were definitely starters in the mix, and so there was a struggle to replace that before the season started, and it's kind of just gone downhill. And, and I think Cam is an emotional momentum player. You, you know what I mean? And yep. I, you know he had it going good, and I think it smiles, and then that COVID. Yep. Uh, he can't play. It's a <laughs> national game against Kansas City, and suddenly he, everyone's looking at him like, "Well, what did you do? Did you? How did you get it? You know?" And yeah. I think he lost some momentum there. And then who knows what the physical effects are of having been sick, right? I mean, he may feel yeah. fine. He may not be the same. It could be different for everybody. Uh, and then you come back into a tough situation, and, and you know, we can call him a momentum player. Critics would call it a front runner, but he's he brings the juice when it's good, when yeah. when you have you know, oranges in your hand, he makes the juice. He doesn't go yeah. get the oranges and, right. <laughs> and bring the juice. So uh, he may not be the guy to boo you up when things are going poorly. And I think that'll be a, a, a test of him, you know, uh, and them as they move forward. And let's face it, they, they play a couple games. They, they play, I think they play Buffalo and the Jets. It wouldn't shock me at all if they won both of them, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> just where, with where those teams are. So we'll see where they go. But I think we have confirmation that the best days of New England when they really were that going to be that championship type team are over and it's going to be a totally different team. Well, and the elephant in the room is no TB12, right? So it's a complete different makeup. And we said for years uh, in the league that this was an average team that Tom just always brought together and and connected the dots for them and covered for all the mistakes they did make. Obviously, they don't have that. And and that's the giant factor as well. Yep, and Tampa Bay does have that. We're gonna your, your segue. <laughs> this is not planned, folks. But Randy is just like the last segment. He mentions Josh Allen, then we go into that. Now he mentions Tom Brady and and our right on cue. We want to talk about Antonio Brown signing with the Buccaneers. He actually played uh, for the Patriots a game last season. Uh, it's interesting. We had a little roundtable discussion on the Athletic. Uh, me and some of our other writers, and I felt like the guy who was. Uh, maybe I'm just a jaded add to the roster guy. I felt like the most positive guy on the move. I, I kind of felt like, I don't know, maybe I'm not, oh, I, I don't overly worry about wrecking the locker room and all that type of stuff. Um, <laughs> I just look at it like, hey, you got a chance to, to get a guy who might be the best receiver on your team in three weeks. Am I wrong, Randy? Three weeks? Heck, he might be the best receiver right away because he's healthy. <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, let's set aside the character stuff, and I'm not making light of any of the stuff that he's had to deal with character-wise or the moral 
you know, to me, that's discussion. a different conversation. Yes. We can have yeah. that. I, I th- I'm right. appalled by what he yes. did, but, but he's eligible to play under that's the correct. rules of a league, and he's playing. We're analyzing that. Yeah, and and from that standpoint, I see a, a difference maker, and and I'm I'm betting that this guy's going to be in good shape, and the kind of receiver he is, I think, complements the Mike Evanses, the Chris Godwins, the you know, all these kind of players are a little bit different. Scotty Miller, this guy's a complete receiver who can change games and play inside, play outside, play all kinds of positions and run different kind of routes. Mike Evans is a great player, don't get me wrong, but he's a bigger, stronger, build-to-his-speed kind of guy. Um, the little receiver in, that plays in the slot that they've got, you know, good good mileage out of, Scotty Miller, totally different receiver. This guy's a little more like Godwin, uh, A.B., in that I think just from a skill set standpoint, and that's how I read these guys, just from his skill set, he's going to be, I think, uh, maybe Tom Brady's first option when he gets off the bus. And having said that, these other guys aren't healthy, and that's the reason, according to Bruce Aarons, that's the reason they signed him, and, and their thought press all process all along was we weren't sure we could need you know use Antonio Brown and and all the reasons where we just talked about but the hook for them is this guy is healthy and he's ready to go and he's a Pro Bowl receiver so I don't think he's going to hurt their locker room I really don't Mike I don't think this guy is and and I I think anything they structured contract wise if there's even an inkling of him going sideways in the locker room they'll just cut him and move on they don't yeah, absolutely. Have to, you, know. you always look at who has the power in these relationships, right? Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of like Le'Veon Bell going to Kansas City. It's totally right. different than when he goes to the Jets with a huge right. contract. I mean, he's right. not Andy Reid can get rid of him in five seconds, and I think uh, the Bucks can do that. Their general manager Tom Brady could do that too, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And I think it'd be they'd be unanimous in in that if he does anything, boom, pull the trigger, cut well, the cord, we're moving on. Yeah, but that's the nearest. That's an interesting component, though, because I'm joking. Obviously, Jason Light's their general manager right. and Bruce Arians <laughs> is their coach, but they signed him because of Tom Brady. Okay, they, they're uh, Bruce Arians didn't want to have him, didn't want to do it. That was on the record. They can try to say that he had changed his mind because guys are hurt. They signed him cause, to me because Tom Brady really wanted him. And uh, you could easily hear Tom Brady saying, hey, I don't have a lot of time. Are That's we right. in? Are we all in? Are we doing this? Right. Or, or are we not? And... I think it's already a little bit of a dynamic on that team where Mike Evans probably knows that or senses that, I mean, Chris Godwin is becoming their best receiver, may already be their best receiver. Right. So I think if I think there could be guys looking around a little bit, and uh, yet I don't think that's going to unravel a team if you're winning. I, I feel like uh, this can still be something that is managed within that dynamic and that as long as there's production um, – there's not going to be the downside. Do you agree? Yeah, it definitely gives them depth at a position of need, without a doubt. And 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 guess what? I'll bet you Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and these guys that have been nicked up, and I'm not questioning that. I'll bet you they come back sooner than later now, because there's only <laughs> one ball, right? And everybody wants it. And uh, AB's healthy. They'll see in practice Gronk. after about two or three yeah. days. Gronk, the same thing. Gronk's you know crying for his throws now as well. So in a good way. So it definitely brings uh, to light some depth. And it, it, how about this? We're, we're finding out that depth really means something. And, and, and always we've always known this, but the Chiefs add Le'Veon Bell. Tampa Bay adds this guy. I mean, the rich just keep getting richer in this league if you're willing to take a little bit of a risk. You can't tell me that half the teams in the league couldn't use Anthony, uh, Antonio Brown right now. Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so but gotta, not every, you, yeah. 
you got to give them a little credit that they're willing to, to, to take the jump to do it. And what's wrong with being all in? Everybody says, oh, the, the bucks are all in for one year. So what? Let's win one year. We're <laughs> I'd rather be all in year. for one year than irrelevant for five, you know. A- absolutely. I like taking swings um, yeah. and bringing a guy in and putting those other guys on notice. Fine. They're, they're not happy with it. They'd rather not have it. Fine. Yeah. We'd all rather not have things that make us uncomfortable and make us have to be better, right? But yep. the, it makes you have to be better once you get beyond the you know, the moral implications of this, which I think are real and are a different conversation. Yeah. Um, you know. he, he made his debut last year with the Patriots. I think it was in week two. And I think that was the first time he played. Four catches, 56 yards, a touchdown, you know, uh, in a, in a big way, I don't think people are going to have to wait long to see the impact of Antonio Brown on the field, that's for sure. Yep. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I guess we do have to mention our picks from last week. Uh, yeah, I figured Randy. this up. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, both of us agreed. We both took uh, Pittsburgh, and we gave we gave the points, I believe, and we can't. We won that. Yeah. So we got Pittsburgh, beat Tennessee, made us nervous. Um, I did take Tampa Bay uh, over the Raiders. You took the Raiders, and then you couldn't remember if you did that because <laughs> I think you regretted it. But yeah. <laughs> You know how this works. I, I'll tell you what, and I said this in my blog last week on my on my own website. I hate picking games, and I know we need to, and, and we and it's kind of fun, yeah. but it makes me watch games different on the weekend. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, I'm 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 rooting for why am I rooting for this team? I you're rooting care less. to be right. Yeah, yeah you're I'm just rooting, or for I'm rooting for not misleading others. If somebody does take it to heart and say, "Hey, Randy said this," yeah, or yeah. "Mike said that," I, I like to give them good information. So it kind of ruins yeah. my weekend picking these games. To be honest with you. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm getting soft, but that's just the way I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll 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 come back this week. We got Steelers Ravens Ravens by five and a half, and I don't. I felt like the Steelers were a good pick to win the division before the season. Now, I wanted to see how Ben came back, but um, I got no. I'll, t- I'll take the Steelers in five and a half against any team in the league right now, anywhere. We can go play in the parking lot. Yeah, no problem with that. I feel like this is a team that's been sitting there hearing about how great Baltimore is, and Baltimore has been great. I don't think Baltimore is quite as great as they've been um, yep. for whatever reason. I don't think they're just clicking as much. So give me the Steelers, give me five and a half points, and we'll see how it goes. What say you? Yeah, I'm I'm jumping on the same train with you. How about this? These two teams lead the league in quarterback hits. They've hit the quarterback more than any teams in the league. Pittsburgh 64, Baltimore 63. I think it's going to be a fascinating game from that standpoint. My, My question is, do the Steelers alter their rush to 
not rush Lamar Jackson so much and to keep him in the pocket? Do they do they throttle back? You know, their edge rushing to 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 work on containment as much as anything else because that's where. They want Lamar Jackson is in the pocket, right? They don't want him out on the edge. They don't want him running out of the pocket. So I w- I'm wondering if this isn't the week we see a little mush rush and, uh, you know, just kind of keep him right there and make him beat him from the pocket. I think it's a fascinating matchup. Obviously, it's a divisional matchup. These these division matchups, there's no secret. Everybody knows, you know, all the details. They know all the secrets. They know where the bones are buried for these teams in, in their same division. But I'm with you. I'm going with the Steelers, and I can't believe get you sure you looked at that right getting five and a half points that's crazy. i checked it again today i, mean, I looked yesterday <laughs> yeah. and I, I was just like what yeah. what do people really think right. um you know I, I i don't see that so uh you know they got they got to get some hits on lamar jackson I, I always laugh when people say you know lamar jackson runs but he doesn't really get hit what film are you watching yeah. I mean, this guy turns back to the middle of the field. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, he runs yeah. like a running back half the time. And so I think it's very important for um, Pittsburgh is a rally, you know, rally to the ball type of team that they're going to miss Devin Bush at their inside linebacker spot. But they've got to get some hits on Jackson, make him uncomfortable. I think they can do it enough. Um, like I said, we'll, we'll go with the Ravens there and we'll take the, the or we'll go with the Steelers there and take the points. Raiders Browns are the Browns are favored by three. Are you going to stick with your boy Derek Carr again this week, or are you going to come off? I'm not telling you my pick first. I want to hear. Here's here's my theory on this. If you mess with me one week, I'm dumping you quick. I'm going the other way. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking the Browns, and here's why. I just think they're going to be able to run the ball, and I think they'll run it down the Raiders' throat and control. What do they say? The best defense is a good running offense. So I think the Browns will do that. The Browns have a bye the following week. So uh, I think this is their last chance to put a stamp on the first half of the season. And I, I, I guess I trust Kevin Stefanski to have them ready. Um, I think there will be more points scored in this game than most might, but I'm going with the Browns. I think the Browns have a pretty good formula, and I don't think they're at their tip-top form yet, but they're on their way. They showed last week that that Baker can um, convert opportunities that come his way. I, I think the thing that Baker struggles with is when teams really pressure him and come after him. I don't see the Raiders doing that. The Raiders are one of the least... Uh, quarterback hitting yeah. teams in the whole league. So I think he's going to have time. I think the play action comes into play then even better. And, and, and it'll be a close enough game where where play action and the run game, Kevin won't get away from that. So I'm taking the Browns in the matchup with the Raiders. Yep. I'm going to go with the Raiders. I'm going to take the points. I, I feel like the Raiders last week, it wasn't talked about enough. What a big deal it was to have your offensive line in that COVID protocol, not practicing. You don't yeah. know till the game if you're going to play. And by the way, you're playing Todd Bowles' defense, which is yeah. coming at you. They have like 14 guys on the field. They, they made Aaron Rodgers look uncomfortable. Um, I think the Raiders also kind of like Cleveland um, know what they have at quarterback. Mm-hmm. They don't dislike it. It's okay. But right. they know how to protect it. And they have a great back. Both these teams have good backs. I think both these coaches are good play callers. I think Gruden's an excellent play caller. Um, it got away from them against Tampa. They're playing Tom yeah. Brady. Tom's got it going. I don't think that Baker Mayfield is Tom Brady, so I will take the Raiders from the three points. They'll control it. Browns will go into their bye probably better than we thought they were going to be or as good as we thought they were going to be, but not the team that's going to stack them week to week. We'll see how that goes. Now I'm betting on Derek Carr, but that's just the way I see it. 
I don't know if we're going to pick Jets Chiefs, but I just think it's notable that the Chiefs are favored by 21 and a half points. So <laughs> I I'm going to say little... this. It's not enough points for me to bet on the Jets. So we make well, fun of 21 and a half points. It, I'm not taking it. I'm, I'm going the other route. Keep keep going. What did we talk about? Maybe get up to 24, 24 and a half. You might get my attention, but. Yep. I'm going <laughs> to. Uh, we do have listeners, though, who do bet on these things. And I'm going to give them. I did. Here's my research. OK, here's uh, my gambling good. research on this on this point spread. This so, in three bucks will get you a Starbucks. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> Chiefs have covered 68 percent of the time in Mahomes' starts. OK, 68. That's pretty good. Um, what happened the other times they were really huge favorites, right? So they were favored by 16 and a half over the Cardinals in 2018. They only won by 12. They were favored by 14 and a half over the Raiders in 2018. They won 35 to 3. They were favored by 14 over the Raiders that same year. They won by 7, so didn't. That's two out of three big spreads they didn't cover. 11 and a half over the Raiders in 2019. They won 49. So, okay, they're 2 and 2 in the big point spreads against the spread. And the other one, 11 and a half over the Patriots. They won by 16. This is a whole nother number. Right. So they have won by 21 points or more, or they won by more than 21 points six times with Mahomes and 43 starts. That's not that many, six out of 43, when you think of a team that really can run it up. They beat the 2018 Bengals, the 2018 Raiders, the 19 Raiders, the 20 Broncos, the 19 Broncos, and the 19 Bears. So a lot of division games there. Um, I don't think the Jets can score against anybody. So I would probably you mean literally fact, or, or, yeah, yeah, or yeah, literally? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think that I, in fact, we let, I'll just, I'm going to pick this game. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pick this game and I'm going to take the Chiefs that they win by 22 or more points, which I normally would never do because I don't think they can get over 10. And, and I just see it being a, I see it being, what do you think? Is, is it a 31 to 9? Does that get me there? 31 to 9 would do it. I'm going to say it's a 31 to 9 final score, and the Chiefs cover the spread. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't disagree with you. I just, I think in the, and don't hold me to this, you might know the answer to this. In the second half last week, the Jets had four yards. Is that correct? They had no first downs, and, and it was it was a crazy number that they threw out there on offense, and I think that was it in the Buffalo game. Well, they had they four, were really four. impressive yards, though. Those yeah, four oh, yards yeah. were hard-earned really... four yards. I mean, how can you bet on that? Randy, you're not diving into this pool, though. I notice you're just sort of dipping your toe. You're not coming <laughs> with me to, to bet on this game, so this will be my bonus game. Let's hit our Ask the GM question. It's time for Ask the GM. We always solicit questions from listeners, and... We've sort of been ruminating on this a little bit before, like, uh, you know, with GM jobs. But, Randy, you've been a GM. Um, If right now you could have the Atlanta Falcon GM job where you have an older Matt Ryan, uh, he's still pretty good, but, you know, maybe you're not sure in the future, in that division, um, which is interesting. Or you could have the Houston GM job where you get Deshaun Watson, but some other question marks, which job are you taking and why? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think whether you're a GM or a head coach, uh, it, it's a fun discussion. Um, I guess for the GM from that seat, I probably look at what's above me as compared as compared to what's below me. I have confidence in that I can find the right players and build the right team. I mean, obviously Deshaun Watson is a lot younger, going to be around for a lot longer, but I still see a lot of pluses in Matt Ryan. I think. Um, 
he's still got two or three years left in him. And when I talk about, you know, not necessarily the, the players, but the the rest of the team in place, you're talking about in Atlanta, Arthur Blank, obviously really smart man, been around forever uh, in the business world, has come a long way since he bought the Falcons, what, 15 years ago or whatever. And then you also include Rich McKay as his president, and I guess the interim GM now, used to be the GM in, in Tampa. I think that's a combination that I would sign up to be a part of without a doubt. I think those those guys in the room assure, let me just use my example, it assures that I'm not the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> and, and I think that's a plus going forward. I don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. That's just not my philosophy. Not that that's saying much in my case. <laughs> You're a smartest from Northern Idaho, but anyway, <laughs> it, it is what it is. And and I think that's a big plus in, in in setting the table for Atlanta's success going forward. So yeah, they've struggled the last couple of years, but I still see Atlanta as being a desirable spot, a desirable team. And when you consider the combination of ownership, team president, uh, also with Matt Ryan and a few of the playmakers they have, I think that is a great job. And I think somebody will, will end up in, in a spot there that really gives them a chance to succeed. And if they don't, it'll be their own fault. And that's not to say anything bad about the Texans job. There's just a lot more complications with the Texans job. You know, they've hired a search firm to help them find the right guy. Well, I got news for you. Rich McKay is not going to need a search firm to find the right people to help him. So there's a difference in really NFL acronym. You know, and maybe Cal McNair is becomes one of the great owners in the league. Obviously, his dad was very respected, uh, but this is new to Cal. They've got some internal agendas at work there. You can already read that from the outside. So I just think that makes that a little murky, makes it a little cloudy. And, and therefore, uh, I think the Atlanta job probably at this point is a better job for the long haul. Yeah, and I would look at the, the dynamics in that division are interesting to me, too. Drew Brees, near the end, they're going to be having a big rebuild in, in New Orleans, probably. Uh, a little bit of a reset. Tampa Bay is obviously all in. They're going to be tough right now. Maybe they're tough next year, but that's not going to last uh, forever. Carolina is going to be interesting. I think with Matt Rule there, that's a, that's going to that's going to be a rival for you um, no in Atlanta. So that would be a... An interesting opportunity. They just haven't been able to get it right on defense there. You know, even though they've had that was one of the notes in my column on Monday, they they haven't had a top ten defense the whole time that hmm. they had Dan Quinn and Mike Smith, two defensive coaches, and That's they've crazy. been top ten on offense the whole time. You know, yeah. so weird. You, you just got to get in there. You, you'd be comf- as a GM, you'd be saying, "Hey, look, I can find some de- defensive ends. I can get that side of the ball fixed." And we can be a good team. I think it's going to have to because you're going to have Julio Jones, you know, winding down and, and Matt Ryan the next few years. So good philosophical exercise. There are times up. Um, you can find me, Mike Sando, on Twitter at SandoNFL. You can find Randy at Randy Mueller underscore. Uh, and we'll see everybody here next week. 